Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. Thank you to everyone out there today who uh, decided to join us in live, and for those of you who are going to listen to this uh, as a podcast, welcome also. Uh, today, I have, I'm just so honored to have um, an expert, another expert in the field, leading individual who's, been, who's received several accolades, um, at the highest honors in, in her field, um, who is a, uh, a Harvard-trained nutritional psychiatrist, a professional chef. I am so envious. So there's so many things I want to talk about, but the professional chef thing is really one of them. Um, and a nutritional biologist and author uh, of, of an international bestseller uh, book, This Is Your Brain on Food. And so I'm just uh, delighted to introduce uh, to you Dr. Uh, Uma Naidu. Welcome, Uma. Thank you so much for that warm introduction. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yes, yes. And so as I told you in our brief time uh, before, I – uh, everyone that comes on the show meets kind of one criteria, and that is if I say, um, oh, I would love to have a conversation with this person, uh, then mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the guiding framework right there, and I think has been such a, uh, a good success, uh, part of the success of the, of the podcast. And so um, there's so many things that you're currently doing. I'm, I'm so uh, interested in, I know you're the Director of Nutritional and Metabolic Psychiatry at Mass General um, and the Director of Nutritional Psychiatry um, at Mass General Academy. So, um, and, and uh, I, I'm assuming the a part of the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard Med. Um, so, uh, I, I guess where I'd love to start is with where I started out introducing you. I know you, you are a uh, a psychiatrist, never quite heard the term until I read about you, nutritional psychiatrist. So please tell me a little bit about kind of your day, what you do, and uh, let's start there first. All right, well, thanks. Thanks again, Dr. Perkins, for this, uh, this great invitation. You know, nutritional psychiatry is a new, it's a nascent field, and it's coming forward so I'm not surprised you haven't heard the term before. Um, in large part, the way that it evolved in my career was that uh, having, you know, started psychiatry at residency, I felt that doctors were not asking their patients what they were eating, but we were prescribing medications which have serious metabolic uh, side effects as well as other side effects on the brain and the body. And because I came just from a family that always cared about food and was always, uh, you know, that environment that I grew up in, I felt that that was a gap. But I also knew that we hadn't learned enough in uh, medical school. And, you know, it, it, it was a gap I wanted to fill because I felt lifestyle measures were really important in mental health. It's not just a pill. It's not just a prescription. It's many things 
that include a prescription, include psychotherapy, but also lifestyle measures such as how we eat. So I began to develop these ideas. I began to do the research, and I had the opportunity to found my own clinic at Mass General Hospital at Harvard and to start seeing individuals using nutritional measures. Um, And that's really how it evolved for me. It also uh, evolved alongside the burgeoning research around the gut microbiome, which helps to explain the food-mood connections. That's mm-hmm. kind of a short version of how I arrived here. Ah, gotcha. Well, you know, I, um, I also mentioned to you that um, as a director of a, a program in leadership uh, at Columbia University at Teachers College, um, I, uh, I, I'm having a medical background. I, uh, would often find myself, uh, in the role of talking to our aspiring leaders about what they eat. You know, we have long, uh, they remember the, uh, and I, and I'm not sure if this is where you got the title of your book, but I remember years ago, uh, the, the groundbreaking, uh, um, television ad, that uh, cracked the egg and said, this is your brain, and then it was, this is your brain on drugs. And I remembered yeah. that, and that's what I thought about when I thought this is your brain on food, uh, because I would, I would often find myself in the role of talking to my students about how important good nutrition is. Now, that I'm the last person to say that I do everything correctly. So they always gave me uh, because I would fuss about things like um, eating M&Ms at 8 o'clock in the morning or uh, <laughs> right. Danishes, Danishes at 9, um, right. and, and just the impact that, that had short-term on their ability to make decisions, but long-term on how they felt and kind of the, 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 what would be their wellness, long-term wellness, uh, in a role that is really, really stressful. So kind of combining right. stress hormones with overload of sugar is a recipe for mm-hmm. disaster. Right? And so I would find myself talking to them. And, I, and now, I will, again, I'm the last person to say I got it all right. And I, because I am, I, you put, you used to be Reese's uh, peanut butter cups, but uh, now if you put French fries in front of me, you might, uh, you might want to get out of the way. But um, so I don't do all right, but um, I know you focus more on the mental health aspect. So I would love to hear a little bit about really the goal of your book and what you are, what you are, what you're recommending in a nutshell to people about nutrition and, and mental health. Well, thank you for that, and thanks for, for being an advocate just for healthier eating than any one of us is doing. None of us eats a perfect diet, including me, but I think we can all move a little bit away from the standard American diet called the sad diet for reasons, because it's kind of filled with the candies and the pastries and the the food that, you know, uh, is, is unfortunately very laden with sugar and, and processed ingredients. The, the, the spirit of the work that I'm doing and the mission behind my work is to help empower people to understand that they have the power at the end of their fork. And what I mean by that is there are many, many, especially with COVID, there's so many mental health conditions that emerged at a much higher rate 
Uh, mental health was always a crisis, but I do believe COVID uncovered that crisis. And so uh, many people are, you know, suffering more, um, not only from some side effects of, say, long-hauler syndrome, but they they have become more anxious, more depressed, there's more stress about returning, you know, whatever their work situation is. Some, some people have returned to office, returned to work, or some people have lost their jobs. So it's, it's, it's a lot of different variables. So when I put this together with where does this fit in in mental health? We have traditional treatments, but many people also, alongside a prescription or therapy, want to find ways to feel better. And we've, we are only used to thinking about food in terms of our waistline. Did we gain weight after, uh, or do we need to yeah. lose weight before an event? Yeah. You know, the, the, most, the most popular self-help books are always about weight loss. Um, for a reason, but we never actually think about how we eat in relation to our brain health. And this is interesting because the brain is the most important organ in our body. Without the brain, the rest of us doesn't function. The rest of our body does not function. So what nutritional psychiatry does is focuses us on understanding that our brain is as important in terms of how we feed ourselves, how we take care of ourselves, lifestyle measures, including things like sleep including things like, you know, spending time outdoors, exercise, hydrating ourselves. But my focus and the nexus of my work is around food and how we can use those nutrients to improve our mental well-being. And, and I want to make sure that we understand this is not at a prescriptive level. Uh, nutritional psychiatry is a nascent field. We are growing. The research is developing. But there's a significant amount of evidence to at least suggest patterns of foods that we can eat, we can, we can include these nutrients, we can include these spices to improve our mental well-being over time. Mm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's really the, the, the niche that we uh, are trying to fill here in mental well-being. Oh, that's, that is awesome. Um, I know particularly I, we, I've, on previous shows we've talked a little bit about uh, decision-making as one mm-hmm. uh, area, and I, I teach a, a course in decision-making um, in our master's program, and, and so you can't talk about it without talking about the factors that go into how people make good decisions. And, and so sugar, you mentioned that, is one of them, and, and there's just but- so many things that are – uh, I tell people, read your ingredients just every now and then, yeah. but it's unnecessary sugar-laden. Um, and so it's like, just That's pay right. attention to how much sugar is in everything. And so a lot of times, just even in the short term, we are we are kind of uh, high on sugar um, because of just, even if you say things like, oh, all I had was um some some salsa and chips, um, you're likely to find sugar added to that. And so um, thinking uh, more broadly about uh, what, you, what you're eating, um, you made an excellent point about it just not being about your waistline, um, and it's about other aspects of your, your health. And so the mental health at, uh, component is one that we don't hear enough about. Um, how are where you find yourself um, uh, talking about diet and healthy life, lifestyles as it relates to it. Uh, just I, I just say I'm a work in progress. I'm trying to get better uh, all the time at what I eat, and, and it's difficult 
um, uh, which gets us over into the area of the preparation of foods. Uh, it's difficult for people in in leadership roles, but a lot of working professionals to to really pay attention to that. What are some of your recommendations about that? So, if, if it's in terms of uh, food, you know, foods itself, one of the things I do. I, I, I work in an integrated, holistic, and functional model of care. So it's not just medications, it's not just therapy, it's not just food, it's everything in, in a holistic model. Um, but if we were to just focus on foods, I think that some of the things, let's just take a condition like anxiety, which many people are feeling and many people are experiencing, even those that were not necessarily suffering from anxiety before the pandemic Many people now have symptoms or, you know, on the spectrum of uh, a full-blown diagnosis, panic. Um, some people are just having mild anxiety, problems with sleep, problems with a lot of worry and angst. So if we would stop there, some of the things that you may think about that, that you even mentioned, things like M&Ms or Danishes and pastries, that type of thing, we, we generally have thought about, um, you know, the sugar. We know about that. We, we know that they're not good for our bodies. But they actually have a significant impact on our brain. And, you know, sugar is one of the biggest issues. There's so much of high fructose corn syrup in many products we don't even realize. And there's also savory foods that have, uh, have sugar in them as well, like ketchup, mm-hmm. yeah. salad dressings, yeah. pasta sauces, you know, that many people don't realize because it's a savory food. So sugar is not going to be a surprise. But what we know about sugar from the research is that sugar taps into the dopamine reward pathways that street drugs like cocaine do. So what happens yes. is you, you kind of eat the sugar and then you want the Danish. And after the Danish, maybe you want the donut. It, it's sort of this, you go through <laughs> the day mostly fueled, right? And we've all had yes. days like that or phases of our life where it, it, you don't quite realize it's, it's getting, but there's a reason for that and there's actually actual neuroscience behind it. Then you yes. know, another category is, is something that people don't realize, artificial sweeteners, um, you know, in, in sodas and diet sodas, certain, certain of these sweeteners really are disruptive to the gut microbiome. And for that reason, they actually can worsen anxiety. So, that's a that's a category that many people think, well, you know, I'm not drinking the soda, I'm drinking the diet soda. You know, I, I commend you for trying to get off the, the, the you know, the full on soda if you're trying to trying to be healthier. But over time you really want to move towards just, you know, plain water or sulfur, just something that's plain without those added um added sugars or added flavorings that may be sugar free but contain sweeteners. Um, another category that you won't be surprised by is, are the unhealthy fats. But, you know, the, the unhealthy fats, the trans fats, hydrogenated fats, these actually cause more inflammation in our body. And mostly they start with inflammation in the gut microbiome, but we know that the gut and the brain are connected. So when you start to develop inflammation in your gut and, and people hear about conditions like leaky gut and things like that over time, Unfortunately, because the gut and brain are connected, that leads to problems and neuroinflammation as well. So it's not mm-hmm. just that those fried foods or those unhealthy fats are going to affect your waistline; they're going to affect your brain as well. Um, another uh-huh. one, um, I'll, I'll do. I'll, you know, we'll cover four for today, but there are many more. But the fourth one is, is processed vegetable oils. Um, 
when when I when I suggest to my my patients that they you know try to try to stay away from the fast food restaurants, don't make that your everyday meal. Um, yes. But the reason is that a lot of those types of restaurants they they use cost effective or cheaper oils, and those are very pro inflammatory oils, vegetable oils, the processed oils, the super uh, they, they they inflammatory to the gut. And so mm-hmm. people are eating those foods. Not only are they fried, the unhealthy fats becomes a double whammy on on your gut and causing inflammation. Wow. So right. those are things that over time we just want to. Um, I'm not an all or none person. I, I don't say to people never ever do something. I say, look, can you do this in a healthier way? Can you eat that less often? Can you move from three diet sodas to two? so that over a month we're going to get you to a much healthier place of so drinking water. Once in a while you may have that diet soda, uh, but, but it's it, that way people feel more balanced and they don't feel as much as restricted. Yes, yes, um, man. So let me tell you, I, uh, so years ago, I, and I'll start with what you mentioned with sodas. So years ago, I, I read and decided um, that I was not going to drink sodas. And so years ago, by years ago, I mean, I'm going to give it 20 years. I'm going to say at least 20 years ago, I decided not to drink sodas, and I haven't had one in that amount of time. And, and so I, and I can't even remember uh, where I read about the, the sugar content. And immediately I saw a difference. Uh, I mean, as it relates to weight, um, because I used to drink, used to love mm-hmm. um, sodas like Coca-Cola, something like that, um, Sprite. And, um, and so I, I, I decided not to. And then I moved to diet sodas. So I, you know, I read a little bit about those should be okay. And then um, I started drinking diet sodas. And then I put down diet sodas and moved over. Uh, oh, and I, I'll tell you one other thing that I, before I move on is that I, I was mm-hmm. never a drinker of, of the high caffeine sodas. So that's a whole other oh, category. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's but a whole other know, category, right. Yeah, well, right. and so even now, <laughs> even now they have the, the power drinks that people are drinking, but that's, that's different. So they, right. those weren't around at that time. But I moved okay. from diet sodas then to uh, away from those to sparkling water, and yes. then I and I read somewhere and I can't remember where with this either that oh the only difference between water and sparkling water is that it is uh, aesthetic and you don't have to worry water is water kind of thing and I, I kept on looking and seeing that. And, I, and, and then ultimately, I found out through my physician that, no, that's not quite true. Uh, water and sparkling water do have, like, they have different effects on the body. Um, and then some other, uh, he pointed me in the direction of some uh, other components, uh, places where I could, could read about that. And I said, this, either this is always evolving, which I know in part it is, but it was mm-hmm. just like a, a moving target. So now I'm just water. Give me water. And, um, right. and so where, where would the layperson like myself go to find out good information? Where, where can we trust? Because I know I read okay. these at different points, 
and and thought mm-hmm. I was getting sound advice. So where do we look for right. things like this? So I think that that's a, a really huge question that you're asking and a very important one. Um, part of the reason that I, I think that, you know, well-vetted um, medical and science-based experts who are quoting actual research behind what they say. Um, one of the unusual things that happened, Ryan, is I was never on social media, uh, but my book was released during the pandemic, and and you, you know this, you know, you've written a book, you've, you've put so much work into it. <clears throat> so for me, the one way to, to share my work was through social media, but I chose to use Instagram and other platforms like LinkedIn as well as an educational platform. So if I if I say something, I quote the research alongside it in the same way that I wrote my book. And I feel like, yeah. you know, we, we have to be careful about where we look for information and how we consume that information. Um, one of the mm-hmm. things that I think is critical is to build resources in this area. Um, and if someone is looking for some quick nutrition facts, certainly there are good uh, nutrition schools that offer information. Um, Tough School of Nutrition is the only freestanding school in nutrition based in Boston. The Harvard TH School of Public Health has a website called The Nutrition Source. Um, with nutrition, Brian, I would just say there are always arguments about what is exactly right, what is the new research saying. Um, on a day that I quote something about omega-3 fatty acids, I can guarantee you three other studies that I can also quote that, that say the opposite. So nutrition is, is a few things about it. It has to be very personalized to what your needs are, but it also mm-hmm. has to come from well-vetted sources. One of the things that I am uh, building is a nonprofit organization that will actually put together resources for people so that if you're looking for this kind of information, you can get it there and then you can make a decision for yourself about what you want to do with that information. Because what I hear all the time is that, you know, people just don't know where, especially with COVID, with everything going on the social media and um, there being so much of an influx of information onto those types of channels that people are still looking for, who can I really ask? Where can I really get this information? Um, right. So, yeah. I, so I think it's it's important that we provide that. Yes, and and something you you just said also resonated with me about the individual nature of this uh, that I think is is really important to underline is that it's really difficult to just make broad statements and they apply to every single person because we all have. Uh, different systems, our metabolism and responses to different uh, foods and and other uh, 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 things that we intake. Uh, and so you can't just say, well, you know, the, they said this should be okay when, in fact, it may not be okay for you. And so that's why mm-hmm. I've always tried to make nutritional adjustments uh, under the guidance of a uh, physician. So I, when, when people started talking about uh, the, the uh, fasting, um, the intermediate fasting, and I said, I, you know, I think I'm going to ask my doctor about this and see. And then as it relates to me, uh, he was able to look and uh, look at my, my, my numbers and say, okay, here's what I think for you. This, is, this should be something that you could do. But I'm certain that there are groups of people and individuals um, that 
that might not receive the same advice. So um, how, how, how important do you see it as also seeking as you are as a part of your, your regular medical uh, assessment? I, I think it's super important. I think the one gap for us to acknowledge um, is that doctors are simply not taught nutrition. And mm. so we're placed in this difficult position of uh, really being expected to guide people on how to eat for hypertension or type 2 diabetes, but we really are not trained on nutrition. One in five mm. medical schools um, in this country um, offer something you know, that is barely adequate, and some schools are doing better than others. So it is at least a question to raise with your doctor. Um, I think looking, you know, looking up the research yourself, finding a well vetted way to get your information, and then presenting it to your doctor so you can discuss it with with uh, with them to see, yeah. you know, to see what what the best solution can be. Uh, the doctor may refer you to see a nutritionist, a dietitian may refer you yeah. to an appropriate yeah. source yeah. to get the next step of help. But I also feel, and that's why I said, Brian, you know, I think the power is at the end of our work. So, so we make the decisions, but we do it in collaboration, especially with our medical care, in collaboration yeah. with our doctors. Yeah. So asking the yeah. questions, um, you know, is, is, is where it starts, and us being aware of some of the information we spoke about tonight becomes important uh, in advocating for our own health, right? Because oh, we need to be kind of the the director of our own of our own uh, physical and mental health. Yes, absolutely. And I always tell people the best doctors have well informed patients, and you you you, you can right. go yeah and read for yourself, and as you said, bring those those things up. Um, so um, I, I'm just looking. I know we we only have a little bit more time, and so thank you for all of that. Um, I want to pivot just a little bit because, as I told you, I have to find out about uh, this other uh, uh, distinction that you have as as you've been referred to as a triple threat uh, as a professional chef. Now, I love to cook, and I love you know I I didn't know anything until recently about this term foodie. Uh, I guess you could call me one of those <laughs> love uh, eating foods from all over the world. And and so tell me a little bit about uh, the professional chef. So which came first, the the medical <laughs> aspect or the or the the cuisine aspect? So the interesting thing is, uh, since childhood, food always came first. Um, but I really was inspired uh, after medical school and while in training to go to culinary school, in part because I realized. Julia Child is my food hero, and I would be, you know, this uh, resident doctor studying in Boston and, you know, could, on, could not afford cable TV, so who would I watch on television, on public TV, but Julia Child. And it really encouraged yeah. me to be a good cook, you know, it encouraged me to learn, that, to be bold and to learn to, um, to think out of the box and that, I think, but when I realized and learned from her life that she... Uh, was in, went in adventure culinary school late in her life. I mm-hmm. felt inspired to, and it sort of thought to myself, well, why not me? I love food so much. I I I know it's important to my health, um, and that's really what inspired me to do it. And um, it was one of the best, one of the best decisions I ever made. 
Uh, well, I you you have you have inspired me also because I um, I have tried to take classes here and there uh, uh, in New Orleans and other other places to just just learn a little bit. Okay. So I uh, now I don't think I'm ever going to get kind of professional chef certifications, but um, I, I love to cook. And I, the main thing, and my, my friends and family will tell you, I'd love to try to cook healthy uh, foods uh, that, you, that can be adopted from all over, it's all over the world. Um, I really can appreciate that. So um, as we get ready to wrap up, I would love to so tell us where to find your book. Um, I, anything else about um, where on social media, because I'm sure there are people that want to follow you, but particularly around Thank this you. nonprofit that you are trying Thank to you. Uh, get off the ground. Uh, so please Thank tell you. us where we can follow you and learn more about the, the, the work you're doing. Thank you so much, uh, Brian. So you can you can uh, check out my website, umanaidumd.com. Sign up for my newsletter because that's where you actually hear my personal movement, what I'm up to, what I'm talking about, where I'm going to be. Um, so that's that's a good place. Uh, Instagram, I'm my social media handle is at d r u m a n a i d o o, which is at Dr. Uma Naidu. If you want a free chapter on my book to check it out, uh, look up gutbrainromance.com. Um, but you can also, you know, support your local bookstore or um, buy the book called This Is Your Brain on Food, wherever books are sold uh, to get connected to my work. But if you follow me on social, you'll see all of the activities I'm up to. And thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I love that. Um, uh, the I think you said the, the food brain um, romance. Gut brain romance. romance. The gut brain romance. The gut brain romance. Love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, So, listen, I I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day um, to to be here and share. Uh, You have added to me, and I'm sure a number of people uh, will will also be uh, uh, benefited by listening to this today. And um, I'm I'm going to put your book on my to-do list for sure and get that ordered. And so I just really appreciate you and the work that you're doing. And so hopefully our paths will cross again. Um, But until then, go well and stay well. Thank you so much. It was lovely to talk with you.